You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more information about this show, as well as my other show, Enthusiasts, previously called How to Stan, visit 17caratkpop.weebly.com. And sign up for the show's free newsletter for interviews and much more at 17caratkpop.substack.com. Thank you! Hello everybody! Welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Lots has happened on the SM Entertainment HYBE business front since I started covering this drama on the episode called HYBEs and Woes. Lots of developments and more background context I want to provide now, followed by a bunch of miscellaneous K-pop news updates. First, we have to go back to the dreaded memory for SM Entertainment artist stands of 2014 for the company and talk about how it got to this point based on that pivotal year, 2014. Back in 2014, SM Entertainment had a bit of a PR crisis because not only were there what were considered scandalous dating revelations that caused the public image to be changed for the company, it was also a time where SM, Cube Entertainment, and FNC all had their stocks go down over 20%, 20% in one month. It was in part due to investor confidence in the company's public image faltering after three different Girls' Generation members were caught up in dating rumors. It was a whole on thing. Then there was the weird, suspicious, coincidental timing of a tech difficulty during the Mr. Mr. performance. It was yikes. Fans felt betrayed and confused and left in the dark, and it was a whole thing. So amid that backdrop, SM Entertainment was also accused of tax evasion. So interesting time for the dating revelations to also be spread. I can't obviously confirm if SM Entertainment was trying to distract from the financial stuff, but it is plausible. Keep that in mind while I share with you some economic history. I promise I'll make it interesting. Throughout the past 30 years, South Korea has had this real name financial transaction system. It's basically a way to verify you are who you say you are when you're transacting money. There are some big loopholes that have always been exploited with this system. And so when I use the term borrowed name account, that's what I'm referring to. The scantily punished practice of setting up another account under a different name. The vast amount of name borrowing accounts are just fine. Above board, not malicious, not seen as worth prosecuting, anything like that. So I'm not saying South Korea's finances are just corrupt. I'm just saying the loophole has been exploited by bad actors time and time again, and some worry about a slippery slope if they changed their approach and got very hardline about enforcing combating the loophole. Basically, the people who know how to use the loophole to get away with borrowed name accounts, they're going to keep doing it, because what's the incentive to stop? A borrowed name account is helpful if you really just want to be kind of secretive, like you just want to not be the name and face of a company in a certain way, keep your personal financial status quiet, and also make someone else the face, the fall guy, the scapegoat, the public image when things go wrong PR-wise. To take the fall for you, you can say, don't look at me, look at insert name here based on this other account. A paper company is a term that refers to a company that just exists on paper. Technically, it exists. They did the paperwork, but it doesn't have assets or operations. It's in name only, kind of. Again, to kind of take the fall for a company. Tax haven is a term used for places that really incentivize foreign investments. They'll offer foreign companies incentives to invest in their country, in that region, by offering low or zero tax rates for businesses. 
So the terms to remember, besides the ones we talked about, last time, merger, acquisition, etc., new terms to add to that glossary, paper company, borrowed name account, tax haven, and lastly, liquidated. When a company is liquidated, it basically means their assets are distributed away. They converted all their theoretical money into just cold cash and paying off creditors and just getting all the money out of their account, basically closing the books, some housekeeping, end of a business's life activity. If a company's liquidating, they're kind of shutting down and transferring money one last time. A couple years ago, an international consortium of investigative journalists released the explosive series of reports, The Pandora Papers. The Pandora Papers exposed how a lot of wealthy, famous people from all over the world use tax loopholes to get out of paying more money, basically, hurting just everyday taxpayers in the long run. They outlined all these schemes and ways they set up paper companies, tax havens are utilized, all these different ways to basically exempt themselves from taxes, from paying their fair share. They leaked a series of nearly 12 million documents from 14 different financial service companies to reveal this web of not just evasion, but sometimes even money laundering, real serious stuff. Over 600 different publications dispersed the findings from this consortium of journalists, and in the filings, 280 different pages referenced Sumin Lee, SM Entertainment CEO. He is mentioned in these papers 399 times by name. His role in the papers outlined eight different paper companies in Hong Kong he was thought to have set up for tax evasion purposes. Hong Kong is actually a very popular place to be considered a tax haven. Actually, in 2021, Hong Kong ranked third on the ease of doing business index, they say, because you don't even have to physically go to Hong Kong to register your company there. Plus, it also is at the top of the ease of doing business ranking because a lot of places don't do this. But in Hong Kong, a foreigner can be that company's sole shareholder and or director. Another popular choice for tax havens, basically, the Virgin Islands. Elton John is actually cited in the Pandora Papers for owning apparently over a dozen different companies registered in the Virgin Islands. Now, real companies, paper companies. Because there, there's no capital gains tax and zero income tax. So on the Virgin Islands, you don't have to pay more taxes once you start making more money. So you can keep making more money and you don't have to pay extra. Very appealing. Swedish House Mafia were also accused of setting up this offshore company there. Other big stars were listed in the Pandora Papers. Shakira, a bunch of famous athletes, politicians, Ringo Starr who apparently helped set up two Bahamas companies that he then used to fund real estate. Sometimes this isn't all illegal. It's just a fascinating, extreme extent of loophole indulging. In 2007, a paper company that was technically from Lee Su Man was set up under the name Successmaker Investment Limited. There was also Polex Development Limited, created within a month of Lee Sumian's purchase of a Malibu vacation home, which raised eyebrows. Then Sky Creative Development, that was set up in 2010, the same year that his dad passed away, and later he said, in his defense, everything was above board, and the Hong Kong entities were actually using his dad's money. So he was not directly involved in their purchase, so nothing shady there. 
than the J.G. Christian Charity Foundation, Pacific Leading Development. So he is thought to have run all these different companies. And they all have exchanged money. They've all passed money around millions in USD among five borrowed name companies. The National Tax Service came knocking in 2014. NSM was eventually forced to pay South Korea's government back over 20 billion won. That's over 17 million USD. Although SM Entertainment maintained their innocence and said that was just a routine audit, the National Tax Service was just here as a routine, nothing to see here. Four of the five borrowed name companies got mostly liquidated. There have also been past concerns raised about Sumian Lee's funding of different projects, including CT Planning Limited, which he spent a million dollars in SM Entertainment's assets on in Hong Kong back in 2019. So multiple times now, people have investigated and raised their eyebrows over his financial behavior. Hybe really wants to go forward with this merger that we talked about in the Hybes and Lowe's episode. They've been making big moves toward making this a reality. They presented a long list of candidates for new executive board members who cover quite a range. There's a professor who's popular in the social science world, a legal expert, a UN rep for the environmental aspect of their work. They also intentionally, they say intentionally, did not nominate Minhejin, who leads Adore, that subsidiary, because they said, we want to keep SM Entertainment, SM Entertainment. We want to not hybify, to use a word I just made up, their brand image. We want to leave that alone, stay our separate thing. We're not trying to take over. But now they've explicitly, SM Entertainment explicitly, uses the word takeover, calls this a hostile new board domination they plan to have, saying that they don't see any real way this maintains SM Entertainment's clear identity, says it's all lip service, basically. SM Entertainment's nominees for this board include the Align Partners Capital Management CEO and three others that Align Partners got to pick. Align Partners, interestingly, was nominated by Sumin Lee, but they may not be on his side. They're not automatically backing this deal. They've requested publicly big reforms at SM in terms of finances and all sorts of stuff, basically threatening blackmail, saying they know a lot of damaging information about Lee Sumin, and they will publicly reveal it if the reforms are not met. Lee Sun-Soo, Sumin Lee's nephew, and a CEO posted to his personal YouTube channel an hour-long video, February 16th, and he said it's just part one in a series. He said there's so much to get to regarding problematic aspects of how his uncle has been running SM Entertainment. First of all, he does lay out the claim of financial impropriety with the tax evasion, the Hong Kong paper companies, and he accuses Sumian Lee of just outsourcing production just for the sake of the tax breaks from doing so. He also includes a voice message in the video that his uncle left him, basically encouraging the nephew and the others to vouch for him publicly. Go be on defense for him. Go to bat for him publicly. Apparently this followed a conversation they had had where the nephew indicated he just wanted to part ways, be excluded from this narrative. Now he's not, so he's like, fine, if I can't be, I will really dive into it. So the specific allegations against his uncle include trying to avoid monitoring by Korea's tax service, being not transparent with how he spends money and where he invests it, reformatting certain artist contracts to carry out unnecessarily production in other countries to avoid having to pay a tax in Korea for it. 
He also claims he's been finding questionable ways to get money, to get more money, to hold on to more profits. Because apparently, the deal with distributors of albums, the profit distribution system set up by the album distributors in SM Entertainment, meant that Lee Soo Man would get to pocket 6% of SM Entertainment's profits. So you buy an album, part of the proceed goes to SM Entertainment, part to the album distributor, and then he gets 6% of whatever amount went to SM Entertainment. And the allegation is that he's actually currently working with a system that gets him 6% of profits from the album purchase period period, not 6% of the SM Entertainment sliver. He also claims that Lee Soo-Mian is intentionally delaying certain things, like Espo is supposed to have a February comeback, and apparently he thinks SM Entertainment wants a lower quarter one profit to ensure maximum profit for the year does not happen yet, not during his absence from the company. I guess he views like a redemption arc for himself and his rep later in the year, I don't know. He outlined some demands Lee Soo-Mian has apparently expressly laid out last month, including things like issue a press statement in my defense, defend our business model, defend our contracts, prepare a response team for PR emergencies, get new signatures on the books, show that other people support the distribution arrangement, and make lower Q1 profits. I'm sorry, this part is, it's dark and sad and concerning to some extent, but it's also kind of just darkly funny. In this detail, just really, the visual is really something. The whole concept is something. He apparently, if his nephew's telling the truth, I have no reason not to believe he is, but remember this is all just alleged by him. He said that his uncle really wants to make the sustainability ethos of SM super overt. Like, no, 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 hidden symbolism or anything like that. No innuendo, just flat out just talk about saving the earth. So he's telling Espa songwriters, hey, make music about planting trees and stuff. Which apparently were songs that stunk so bad, they cried. And that's really sad. But there's something really funny about the fact he assigned a songwriter basically like a preschool TV show song assignment. Make a Let's Help the Earth song for Espa to sing. After years of Espa singing fierce songs about being fighters and empowered fierce women and action movie ready people, now we'll sing about planting a tree. I mean, it just did not work. It was out of left field, like, all of a sudden he's talking about not financial technicalities, but just the tree planting song stunk, and now I kind of want to hear it. But apparently he does envision this super green image worldwide for them, which I shared my skepticisms about in the episode called SM Town 2023 Concert Review, because I also review in that episode the pre-concert forum where he outlined these green goals. Anyway, he apparently envisions a music city, like a big festival city, a big plot of land. He's apparently actually requested already a big plot of a country's land to create a city like SM City, like SMCU brought to life for a 24-7 music festival, a big touristy place full of music and tree planting and it sounds like a utopia, but with his name all over it, so the nephew characterizes it as an annoying vanity project. Look, I'm not gonna lie, parts of this sound pretty cool. I would kind of love a, an SMCU section of a Universal Studios theme park or something like that in the U.S., some SMCU story brought to life, maybe a Quanya immersive pop-up shop, something. But there is such a thing as too much of a good thing. I don't know if I'd want that around 24-7, especially because this might be a driving out the local situation if he's buying up their land. It sounds like a TV show plot. 
Like someone ends up pitching a utopia to recreate a town in their image, what could go wrong. And on this episode of Black Mirror, Black Mamba Mirror, if you will, that paradise proves to be anything but, and they have to, I don't know where the plot goes from there, but there is something there about this going very wrong. Anyway, part of his issue is that Lee Sumian has suggested things like including a casino and the ability to smoke in that mini city within a city, a plan this nephew just really does not support. What confuses me is that in a series of back-and-forth rebuttals, Hype said they were not aware of this plan, of the sustainability focus, and of Lee Sumian's plan to pitch this big city in the eco-push. Which is weird to me, because Hype also said in a previous statement, hey, one of the reasons we will have synergy merging with SM is because we're both advancing a sustainability image and cause. We both care about that cause, so... It's very odd that they would not have done due diligence and understood that was the angle he was going for. It was pretty overt. Interestingly, Hype still wants to be like, let us help you, basically, saying, quote, All of these accusations and alleged doubts by SM are only exposing the problems of SM's governance, and unfortunately, those problems have all happened inside SM. Changes will only be possible when there is effort from inside SM to actually solve the problem. This kind of approach, where accusations are made against the larger shareholder trying to solve SM's problems, is unacceptable, unquote. CTP, the like planning type company they still have an active arrangement with for distribution, SM Entertainment basically threatened HYBE to F around and find out if they try to dissolve the CTP-SM connection. Saying CTP is not directly linked to us, therefore you have no authority as a shareholder in us to do something with CTP. There are degrees of separation that provide us cover. Hybe's next response was a statement saying, we really didn't get the heads up about the environmental goals and how much those might shape SM's 3.0 concept. SM's statement in response said, quote, Hybe's stance is distorting the fundamental problem of CTP, which is the suspicion of offshore tax evasion. If Hybe was aware of CTP when signing the stock sales contract, that means Hybe participated or turned a blind eye to former chief producer Lee Sumian's alleged tax evasion. They are acknowledging that they were deceived. That would mean that Hybe's management would need to explain to various shareholders and related agencies as to why an M&A, merger and acquisition, that cost more than 1 trillion won was done without once exercising due diligence, unquote. Just to clarify, CTP is what Lee Sumian is accused of using to evade taxes, one of the outlets for that. So HYBE is against CTP and SM is against CTP. There are three camps. There's HYBE, there's Lee Sumian now on his own, and there's his nephew with SM employees caught in the middle because they are also against HYBE right now. So HYBE is like, we're not against SM, we're trying to help you. SM is like, go away, but also go away, CTP. It's not the enemy of the enemy is my friend here. A lot of moving parts. The next HYBE response basically said more of the same of, look, everything you're saying, SM, implicates you in wrongdoing, not us. That we are trying to help you in the fundamental problems with CTP still exist in your culture, SM's company culture. February 17th, a group of 208 SM Entertainment employees issued a joint statement accusing Lee Sumian of selling his shares to the competitor HYBE and then running when the going got tough. It says, quote, us members of SM have been completely used in Lee Sumian's illegal acts. We cannot be used by Hybe's illegality and expediency again. 
We declare that SM's culture should not be subordinated to HYBE's capital. We oppose HYBE's hostile M&A and their expedient attempt to enter our board of directors. We will resist HYBE's attempt to take over SM in an abnormal manner, unquote. Then, a statement came out February 19th, which is extra significant amid the series of statements, one that really does stand out more than the others. One, because it was uploaded by Chul Hyukjain, the CFO of SM, Chief Financial Officer, on SM Entertainment's main channel. He's getting mad on main right now. Previously, it was just on the side personal channel of Chris Lee, so the boost of the visibility of this argument, the forwardness of it, is notable as well as the language change. No hiding it, they're outright calling it a hostile takeover. They're not defending Sumi and Lee, but they are against Hybe in this equation. Basically, Sumi and Lee was like, yeah, Hybe, you will help us, let's merge. Then SM Entertainment were like, what were you thinking? No, we don't want this. And now Lee Sumian is apparently MIA. In this video, he claims that the anonymous survey SM employees took shows 85% do not support this merger. And so he encourages them, reject the tender offer given to you. Stay the course, believe in our independent vision, do not accept the offer to have your shares bought and then get out of the way. Don't get out of the way, stay here, we've got this. Plus they probably undervalued our company, so those tender offers are unfair anyway. He also quoted some comments from the anonymous survey with employees saying things like, quote, pride has collapsed, unquote, and, quote, the tradition in history of SM are being denied, unquote. The two main issues they seem to have with HYBE getting so involved already, with appointing all those people to the board of directors, with really insisting on going forward with the deal despite SM employees' resistance, the ways he sees this as hostile is he says, first of all, it's about SM entertainment artists not being subordinate. The finite resources need to be kept in mind that a company has, and it will hurt SM's reputation. So the two main things he seemed to get at were the harm to the reputation and the lesser ability to support the artists. So on the latter point, he argues that the optimal amount of album releases per year for a company would be about 100. Not sure if that's true, that's interesting. But anyway, so he argues that there is a finite amount. You can't just say, yes, we'll do better that year because we'll release way over 100 albums. Not necessarily. It's about the supply and demand balance. If there's too much supply, the demand gets lower, it's a whole thing. The point is, 100 is optimal for the market. Not too much or not enough. So with that finite number in mind, Hybe artists would be prioritized in this arrangement, he claims. So SM artists would get whatever out of 100 slots is left in the release schedule, so they'll get the smaller sliver than they deserve. He also argues it would kind of stifle their ability to use intellectual property because of HYBE's superiority in that realm, because HYBE has their own separate entity working on IP protection and financing, distributing. So IP management in HYBE's hands, we can't trust our artists with. We can't trust they will be prioritized ever, is what he says. So he argues SM artists will lose a key ability to grow, grow the company in their own appeal. He also claims they just should have done an audit. Where was the proper audit of such an intense plan, especially since Hybe reportedly is taking out a short-term loan to finance this deal? If that's the case, there should be more of an audit more consultations before this is moving full speed ahead. Lack of transparency about helping SM artists seems to be his concern. And then the second main one I mentioned is about the fear of the long-term rep damage for SM. 
Now this has to do with monopolies. The Sparknotes version of a monopoly is basically there are regulations against a monopoly when you take over a market to the point where there's not fair competition among companies. A recent example actually would be the book publishing issue. The book publishing companies were set to merge, but were not allowed to because the FTC was like, no, that would be for sure a monopoly. No other book company would be competitive. You would dominate too much. You would monopolize in industry. So that's what he worries about here, because he worries that if Hybe and SM merge, it will look like a monopoly and it could backfire because if they go to the FTC, they hand over the paperwork, they say, please approve our merger. And the FTC says, no, this is illegal. This is a monopoly on the music market here. SM looks really bad. Their stock value would probably drop. Once again, it'd be a bad flashback to 2014 where investors just lose confidence. So he's like, don't put us through that. This isn't going to work we're going to get in trouble. He says that together, Hybe and SM artists account for about 66% of the K-pop market's revenue. He also claims the two companies' combined profits account for 70% of the market. And he says there's kind of a precedent for Hybe doing monopolizing things, like on the ticket market. He accuses them of, quote, taking advantage of its position. The consolidation will accelerate ticket prices, unquote. So he worries about the reputation, given the history of the company, if they're put back in a case where the spotlight is on their ways of controlling or not being in control of the financial narrative. He also accuses Hybe of shady timing, saying, quote, if Hybe secures more than 15% of the shares on March 6th, they need to close the reporting by April 5th, 30 days after. This can only be viewed as a pre-calculated plan to secure shares first, then have an advantageous position at the SM shareholders meeting before undergoing the preliminary examination by the FTC. The too long didn't listen version of everything I just said. It's a lot of back and forth. And at the end of the day, Hybe wants to merge. SM seemed to want to merge too. But clearly there was a divide between the Sumi and Lee supporters who wanted this and those who don't. Those who don't are saying stop here and look at all these negative consequences if you go forward on shareholders, on fans, on the music market, diversity. Let's not. A key date to remember, March 27th. That's when the co-CEO terms are officially voided at SM. The new era is set to really begin of management. The next upload was from the CFO, Cho Hyuk Jane, another one on SM's main channel, uploaded February 20th. It didn't actually focus much at all anymore on dissing Hybe or Hybe's business decision. It focused more on just SM Entertainment itself and how they plan to use their intellectual property, IP, going forward. Primary IP, which is like album sales, concert tickets, merch, etc., and derivative IP, which is like when it pays dividends, when it's extensions of your brand, like the team up with the amusement park, fan messaging platforms that feature your artists. Those are less directly linked to your product, forms of profit from your IP. He laid out some ambitious goals SM Entertainment is striving towards. And he said that by fixing the SM 2.0 issues, they can get to some very ambitious targets, including surpassing 1.2 trillion won in sales and increasing their operating profit to 25 billion. He also says derivative IP will pay off more and more and eventually boost their profits from 23 to 40%. He said they'll actually gain 30 billion won if they stop doing so much outsourcing and more centralize the production and distribution factors behind IP usage. 
And he said a lot of the issues with the company structure have been resolved thanks to ending their arrangement with like planning that was as close to overtly dissing the former boss as he got. Although he also did have a veiled swipe at him when he said that the primary IP sales are predicted to grow at a 26% rate annually. And then he said something to the effect of, we would have reached this amount sooner had the structural limitations not been there that come with just a one-man show driving this place. He also laid out intentions like SM Entertainment artists will meet with fans more often through over 400 concerts. I'm assuming he meant per year. Wow. He also wants 21 different artists at least to be active under SM Entertainment and release over 40 albums a year total so SM could make 27 million album sales as their annual amount by 2025. And just this year, he wants physical album sales to rise from 14 to 18 million. And again, 27 million by 2025. Lots more stats and big goals he outlined in there, but those are the big numbers that stuck with me, as well as how much he focused on saying that SM 3.0 will focus more on digital and streaming sales as well, too. Which is interesting, I wonder if... He didn't say this, but I wonder if that means they'll do a reversal of the current trend where they have like a separate YouTube channel for each SM artist, sometimes even like with NCT for different categories of their videos. I wonder if they'll consolidate those more so that the view counts are higher because you're not dispersing the video on multiple channels. I don't know, they could try something like that. He also said they're working on consolidating the fan app experience and are already hiring new, quote, talents in the production space, unquote, and have been setting up a, quote, video IP business center, unquote. Two days later, Hybe released a statement confirming they have indeed become the largest shareholder in SM Entertainment and did acquire that whole 14.8% stake in the company that Lee Su Man previously owned. G1 Park, Hybe CEO, basically described this move as what I outlined earlier, which was the ways that they would probably make this move due to a lack of other growth factors. That's why mergers happen in the first place sometimes. When you feel like on your own, there's nowhere more to go, you can't aim higher, then it's time to team up with a new partner, find a new way to keep up this momentum. And he put it in the context of the larger Hallyu wave. Keeping up the K-pop popularity will require big team-ups like this. A big business move was in order to keep up such massive momentum. He said, quote, I am aware of the concerns that fans, artists, employees, and shareholders of SM have due to rumors and speculations around the company. Hybe fully respects the direction laid out in SM 3.0 as well as the value and vision SM's employees and artists have created, unquote, then he outlined three main goals Hyde promises to lead by with this acquisition. These are direct quotes. One, collaborative innovation based on mutual corporate philosophy. Two, allow complete autonomy of creative work based on multi-label system. And three, leaping forward as a game changer on the global stage, unquote. Now this timing, I believe, is truly coincidental because this happens all the time. Espa was about to premiere a new chapter in their short film series, but had its release date pushed back, citing technical difficulties. 
Now, amid this dramatic business plot twist filled environment, I could see why that looks suspicious, but SM Entertainment has had delayed releases due to technical issues before, but I'm just bringing it up now because I wonder if that trend will go away. If they really do improve this diversified, multi-sector production coordinated system, will that help resolve this repeated issue? Or is it more about just a rushing, not about tech, but about the actual just hurried nature of their process? Either thing could change their speed or their style of producing content with this new deal, so hopefully less often pushed back releases. One last video in the series I want to talk about just because of the very interesting goals from SM they outlined. Lots I'm going to skip in the video, it's quite lengthy, but here are the most interesting tidbits. Co-CEO Yeonjun Tak posted this video February 22nd. He talked about their big plan for the next two years and boasted about how SM has been ahead of the curve when it comes to K-pop investments in the Japanese market. He said the company plans to set up a local production center in basically every part of the world, as many local partners as they can get, starting with a focus back in Japan, working with their pre-established popularity and success there. So NCT Tokyo, that subunit will debut the second half of this year. Then part three of their new strategy will be implemented in Japan in 2024. Part 3 refers to a global production center setup in independent local sector. He also said the biggest place they will invest is going to be the U.S. The U.S. is where they are going to really focus on expanding their publicity. And another group will be set up where there's a small market elsewhere in the world but big room for growth in 2025. He hopes the local production centers bring in a ton more money by 2025, and he also thinks the company's rep will grow stronger once they have further flexed and enhanced focus on the metaverse and tech. He laid out a multi-prone approach to future investments focused on both short-term and long-term profits and goals. And here are the whopping amounts they plan to allocate in Korean won the next couple of years. $350 billion on acquiring music companies publishing companies they can directly have contracts with, so they'll have more in-house songwriters, basically, and a new fully SM-owned subsidiary. And he overtly said they want to acquire some U.S. labels. $300 billion will go to acquiring. $350 for publishing companies, $300 to acquire a new subsidiary label. That's a separate thing. $50 billion towards global expansion. $100 billion for metaverse and virtual content development and $200 billion on investing and expanding fan platforms, as well as improving the data analysis of how fan online communication platforms are or are not working. He said in the future, they want to focus on both copyright, just to handle copyright, so songwriters and the other creatives can stay focused on the creative side of the business more, and take a more hands-on approach with investing in certain songs and giving them more traction. The highest quality songs they find most likely to break through globally. They also said in the future they hope for songs that become a hit in other countries to have a streamlined process so that they don't have a commission deduction as it goes from country to country among publishing companies. They want to just mainstream it, control the distribution everywhere so they don't have deduction after deduction in what they're owed. He also said they'll change their ways in the future by linking their executive compensation to SM share price. They'll link at least 50% of the value of the executive compensation to what the shareholder return and share price is. 
Then he ended with quite an interesting reveal that at the next shareholder meeting, he will step down and will return to his OG role, which was just a creative director, not a co-CEO. So NCT Tokyo, big US acquisition focus to perpetuate future growth, a focus on local production centers everywhere they can, and proving they have changed their company culture to be more accountable to shareholders and impressive when it comes to advancements such as metaverse tech. There are more developments in this video series, but that's where I'll leave the recap for now. I'll wait till more video installments come out and then just summarize my big takeaways from it. But I think you have a pretty good grasp of what's been going on with this story lately, so there's much more to get to. Let's get into the rest of your month in K-pop news with a mega rapid fire round. Momoland officially disbanded, as did Brave Girls. Their reunion time has ended, and they released a single fittingly called Goodbye to Market. Huang Minghyun revealed his light stick design, plus his solo showcase will be streamed February 27th on YouTube, Weverse, and Navar Now, 8pm Korean Standard Time, again February 27th. Nmix also revealed their light stick. Mimi Rose revealed their fandom name, Bloomy. I think that's kind of cute. At the Grammys, BTS lost. They don't need the Grammys anyway, but whatever. Travis Japan also got to attend a star-studded after-party, so that was exciting for J-pop fans to see. Pure D, a YouTube star and special effects artist, was dating JB, and they have recently broken up. They had been together since late 2020. Congrats to Ben, who gave birth to her first child. Congrats to Minha from Nine Muses, who got married. New Jeans already surpassed a million in album sales for their self-titled debut. They're also the new honorary ambassadors for Seoul, and they continue to rep massive A-list brands. Minji for Chanel, Danielle for Burberry, Hani for Armani, Bowman from Golden Child is back from his hiatus. Enlistments that are upcoming include SF9's Jaehyun, Chahun from Enflying, Jaehyun and Dawnsun from Enflying. There's a new variety show coming with a big cast. Lee Hyori, Kim Wansun, Hwasa, Boa, set to air in the first half of 2023. We'll keep you posted. Twice will be on the Kelly Clarkson show, March 3rd. Mino is leaving peak time, with Moonbeal set to replace him. Juhani is Mian's new co-host on M Countdown. Love to see it. Ginny's Kitchen, a new show with V from BTS, premieres on Amazon Prime February 24th. There are two new YouTube reality shows worth checking out. Nmix's Mixplore, In and Hyphens, and A Clock. K-pop stars continue to thrive at New York Fashion Week. Hyo rocked a DJ set at the after party after attending several events. Eric Nam and Johnny Su at Tom Brown were just beautiful. Taeyeon from Twice looked so mature. It was kind of emotional for longtime fans. And Michael Kors, Lo Woon from SF9 was at the Anne's show. There are some real good style moments from NYFW this year. The Hanteo Chart Award wins include a ton of people, including BTS, who won six of the awards, NCT Dream for Best Album, and Stray Kids for Best Performance. It was also a great night for NCitizens, with NCT Dream performing and having a cute post-win speech on stage. Lots of Circle Chart Award wins that are notable. Big winners include BTS, Tempest, Blackpink, Seventeen, Lim Yun Woon, G-Idol, Stacey, TXT, Lay Seraphim's Unche is the new MC of Music Bank. Congrats to Lee Seung-gi, who's getting married. 
Jiho from Twice. Her sister is now an actress under Star House Entertainment. TXT are Kundal's first global ambassadors. Rolling Stone unveiled a list of the 25 most stylish stars of the moment, and J-Hope got 21st on the top 25 list. Dawn ended up at number 16, which was a very pleasant surprise, and Blackpink made it to number 6. I could actually do a top 25 just with K-pop stars. Maybe I should. 17karatkpop.substack.com But anyway, I agree with most of the list. And if you're curious, Steve Lacey is number 1. A lot of tour news continues to drop, and so many release dates, TV show premiere dates, so much news that I've started compiling it. So go to 17karatkpop.substack.com, and I have a post called Keeping Track of New Releases with a calendar outlining all the dates you need to know, as well as a link to, within the Keeping Track of New Releases post, a link to a post that keeps track specifically of K-pop tour and live show announcements. Eight Turn now modeled the casual wear brand, Lifework. Cravity now modeled the skincare brand, Make Prem. Mark your calendars for TXT on The Late Late Show, February 27th on CBS, technically at 12.37 a.m. ET's got invited to the Victoria and Albert Museum in the UK for a special Hallyu exhibition. Yoonha recently met with South Korea's president to discuss space, outer space ambitions, and the focus for South Korea's future, which was just a very interesting out-of-nowhere turn. I guess just because her music is all about space and the stars and galaxy and stuff. Not sure what criteria went into that, but go Yoonha. Stacy had a personal best for first week album sales, with their single Teddy Bear surpassing 341,000 copies sold. Blackpink member Jisoo surpassed 3 million YouTube subscribers. Fearless from Lay Seraphim just surpassed 300 million Spotify streams and got a platinum certification in Japan. BTS's Boy With Love is the first Korean song to surpass a billion Spotify streams. TXT got their first number one on the Billboard 200 album chart. So excited for that. Wrote a ton about that beautiful album, The Name Chapter Temptation, on Substack and on the show. Shameless plug. Love it so much. This era is chef's kiss. Speaking of people I love so much, Taeyeon's love theory surpassed 15 million views. Lots of exciting 17 updates. The Busoksun subunit returned with a very fun EP we will talk more about on the best of the month episode, of course. It broke an album record for a subunit, surpassing 478,000 units on day one. Hoshi was on Suga's YouTube show. DK released a beautiful cover of Baekhyun's Amusement Park. They're releasing teasers of Lightstick Version 3. They won Album of the Year at the Hanteo Awards. Joshua and Mingyu look great at the Marnie Show in Tokyo. The BSS subunit won a music show for the first time. Joshua and Hoshi are set to film a show in Dubai called Bro Marble, a reality show. Set to air the first half of this year, which is really quick. The only negative 17 news today. The eight fractured part of his left clavicle. Part of his collarbone is fractured. And he insists the show must go on and he will not withdraw from 17's upcoming schedules. As of recording time, that's the plan. He'll just have a modified level of physical participation. What a trooper, but yikes. Mr. Bang from Hybe became the first ever recipient of the Clive Davis Visionary Award. Plus him and Scooter Braun both made it to Billboard's 2023 Power 100 list. BTS have a new cute dynamite-themed Lego set. 
Starship Entertainment artists are now on the Bubble app. Eugene from IVE now models the outdoor brand Napa. Lee Hiori joined Antenna Music. Wanyan from IVE is the new model for SJSJ, a casual wear line. B.I. is no longer CEO at 131. He voluntarily stepped back to focus on his artistry and production. A new professional will become CEO. Welcome back, Baekhyun from the military. We missed you, and now the countdown's on for Taemin. J-Rock icon Miyavi performed at a Warriors halftime show with a local Japanese-American dance team. He also then performed at the Japanese consulate in San Francisco. BTS and Blackpink both have KCA, Kids' Choice Award, nominations. That show airs March 4th. Before all the drama started, Espa announced a digital fashion series, a Web3 fashion collection, teaming up with Paper Magazine for it, ironically. It was called a, quote, cyberpunk celebration of music, media, and blockchain technology, unquote. They are said to have used Polygon, a carbon-neutral alternative for blockchain work, and the series features both outfits for your avatar and the avatar's pets. One of your action items of the day. Please, if you pray, keep in your prayers all those affected in Turkey and Syria by this devastating earthquake. And before you donate, make sure to visit a place like charitynavigator.org to verify where your money is going and how helpful it can be. Another action item for you. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security is considering increasing visa costs over 200%, which would make international artists traveling here way more expensive. But they have to take public opinion into account. So if there's enough public backlash, they might not go through with this plan that makes K-pop artists less likely to tour the U.S. So you can publicly comment up until March 6th. Go to folkmusicontario.org for the resources they put together. And please argue this rule is very unfair and hurtful in terms of cultural spread, in terms of just soft power for the world. If you don't want to get corny about music heals the world kind of a thing, you could just say it's impractical, unnecessary, and harmful to musicians who have already been through the ringer with COVID affecting their industry. So no increase to the international visa costs is what I hope you spread the word about. Again, resources to leave your public comment criticizing this decision and encouraging them to change it. Folkmusicontario.org has the details. Thank you all so much for tuning in to a massive episode with a lot to get to. Thank you as always and catch more on 17karatkpop.substack.com. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll talk to you all again very soon. Bye everybody!